Well, as I said uh, during our time of prayer last week, we took a look at uh, what it means to be a praying church. And today we're going to take a look at what it means to be a working church, a working church. And, and the word working can work as an adjective or a verb. So a church that is working, where things are the way they ought to be, that's one way that we could understand uh, this sermon. Our church is working, adjective. It can also be a verb. A church that is working, that is the members are active. Uh, a church where people come not to merely receive from the work of others, the labor of others, and the giftedness of others, but a church where everyone knows that they are coming to work, to invest themselves and whatever it is that they have to offer into God's kingdom. And, and by this title, A Working Church, uh, I mean both. It is both an adjective and a verb. Let's just pray to get started and then we will take a look at what, I'm, what we mean by a working church. This is a vision that the elders have for this church over the next year. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you have blessed us with active working members, uh, that we are a church that is blessed with men, women, youth, and children who desire to to give of themselves for the extension of your kingdom. And I pray that as you add to our number, that would always be the case. As we take a look at, at realities and refresh ourselves in what is going well, I pray that you would continue to spur us on toward love and good works. Help us, protect us from going through the motions so that we would always be a church that remembers that we are doing this for a reason, that we are investing in something with uh, eternal consequence, eternal value. And remind us always that we are investing by way of response. We are responding to what you have done for us in Christ. Oh Jesus, you are a good and awesome God, a wonderful Savior. We are so thankful to be the sheep of your pasture. Help me to be clear. Glorify yourself. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God uses many different metaphors in the Bible in order to describe the church. And it takes all of these metaphors to understand who we are as a group of people. You know, it's an amazing thing what God has done. We were enemies of Christ. We were rebels who hated God. And by His, his sheer act of love, through His mercy and grace, by the incarnation, sacrifice, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ... He has made us into his church. That's amazing. No longer are we enemies. No, no longer do we hate God, but we are children. And there are many metaphors. Let me just go through some of them. We're only going to look at, at one of them today. Uh, but these are some metaphors in the Bible. And I would, I would just say this to you now, that in order to understand who you are as a member of the church, 
you have to begin to think of yourself in all of these ways. It's like a diamond that you just turn it and you see the, the beauty of the diamond infracted through the light in just slightly different ways. And, and all of us will gravitate to a particular metaphor, but challenge yourself and say, well, what does it mean that I'm also these other things and that we together are? So the household imagery, that the, the, the church is the household of God. Second metaphor, we are the bride of Christ. Third, we are a living temple living stones in that temple. Number four, we are a flock of sheep. Now, I actually didn't mean to, but I actually, when I was praying, said that we are so pleased and, and blessed to be the sheep of your pasture. I was just drawing in on that flock metaphor that God is the good shepherd, Christ is, and we are his sheep. Fifth metaphor, we are an army. Different kind of army. We're not an army that goes out with violence, but with reconciliation, with the message of peace and love, mercy, and forgiveness. We are a priesthood. That's an amazing metaphor. Used to be that you had to be descended from the right people to be a priest. Now, if you believe in Christ, you're a priest. A priest is one who mediates a relationship between humanity and God. A lot of implications there. We are the body, the body of Christ. So I'm sure there's more. I just thought, for example, of the family metaphor, sons and daughters. So we're the bride of Christ, and we're also sons of God. And those are metaphors. So even if you're a woman, you're a son of God in the metaphor. That is that you receive the inheritance of the Father. If you're a man, you're still the bride of Christ. So these gender-based images or metaphors, they, they apply to both men and women. There's something to learn about the, uh, ourselves in the church through those metaphors. Now last year, we took some time to go through First and Second Timothy. And of these metaphors, well, I highlighted already for you, uh, the metaphor, I was going to ask you, but the metaphor is what? It's the household. Uh, driving throughout those two books, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, if you want to understand what Paul is trying to say, you have to think of the church in terms of the household metaphor. That is, the very same way that God has structured the family, He has also structured the church. The church is the household of God. So there's a simple two-part structure to the family, and there's a simple two-part structure to the church. There are, in the family, there's the husband and there's the wife. That's the governance structure, and then they'll have children. But the husband and the wife, father and mother, have different roles and responsibility. And that transfers over to the church. Husband is equivalent to elder. The elders are the overseers of the church, just as the husband or father is the overseer of the family. And the helpmate in the family is the wife or the mother, and the helpmate in the church are deacons, or what we call stewards. We see that in 1 Timothy 2 and 3. So we went over that last year. I don't have any more time to get into that, but it's helpful to just remember, oh, we've already talked about the church as the household of God and how that has an implication on how we structure ourselves and under our, understand ourselves here at South Shore. Uh, now, the dominant metaphor 
that I think the Lord has put on this church since before I arrived. When I arrived, actually, I never heard the word church. You know what word I always heard? Body. The body is doing this. The body is doing that. And I thought, wow, I'd like to meet this body. Who is this body? But the body, as you were talking to me, is the church. And so this is really clear in our self-understanding that has been here since the first time that we gathered together, that we are the body of Christ. And we find this metaphor developed in three places in the Bible. So Paul talks about the church as the body of Christ in Romans 12, in 1 Corinthians 12, and in Ephesians 4. And there's also uh, a couple of mentions, for example, in Colossians 1 where he says that Christ is the head of the church. It doesn't really develop it further than that, but there's an implied body metaphor going on there. If Christ is the head of the church, well, he's the head of the body, which is the church. Today I want us to look just just at four verses in Ephesians chapter 4. So there's so much more that could be said about what it means that the church is the body of Christ. I want to focus in on one aspect of this metaphor in Ephesians chapter 4. Would you open your Bibles to Ephesians 4? We're going to read verses 11 uh, through 13, and then we're going to skip down and just look at the second half of 15 and 16. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13, and then partway through 15 to 16. This is the Word of God. This is how God wants us to understand life in the church. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And He, that is Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now go down to the middle of verse 15. We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So the way I read that, I hope you, you really noticed a couple of things, right? He gave certain leaders to equip who? The saints. Who are the saints? These are not super Christians. This is anyone who's saved by grace through faith, who's a believer of Christ. This is the membership of the church for the work. Remember the, the title? We're a working church. For the work of ministry. Ministry is work. And this is to build up the body of Christ. So the way we have to think about this is that that the members of a church are like parts of a body and all the parts of your body work. And if they're working, they're working for the mutual good of the body. So if your heart is working by pumping, it's circulating blood through your body so that every cell gets blood so that your body is healthy and strong. 
If something happens to your heart, your body begins to suffer. So, so the leadership equips the saints, the members of the church, to work as members, as parts of the body, members of the church for the health and strength of the church. Then you go down and you see that Jesus is the head. And so all of these commands are coming from the head to the body, which is, we understand that, right? Our whole body is functioning because our brain is communicating and our brain is in our head. Our brain is communicating to the body. Jesus is communicating to us, keeping us working. And then we are held together by one another. Scott dislocated his elbow, so his, he was no longer held together at the elbow. How did that feel? It was awful, right? Like I know it was awful. I could barely hear the story when he told me about it. I was on the phone, and the phone was way out here. I just couldn't even listen. But that's the same thing in the church. If we dislocate in one area, then the whole body is hurting and we can't function. And we have to put a brace on. And all of a sudden, everything becomes more difficult. So when everyone is working properly, then the body grows. And it builds itself up in love. So, this is, I think, fairly simple for us to understand. It's profound to think of ourselves as a body, and yet that's the metaphor that, that Jesus wants us to understand, at least one of them, for understanding how do we individually fit into a local church like ours. Now, what's really important and we'll go to the next slide, is to see the, the macro structure of the body. The head is Christ. And the rest of us compose his body. And so whether you're an apostle, we'll talk about this in a second, we have uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. So the office of apostle and prophet are no longer operative in the church, we believe. The apostles, that was that first generation that had to go out and actually establish local churches. And prophets, same thing. Those are people, pe prophets in the early church were people who God spoke the word into them spontaneously because they didn't have the New Testament. So those two offices are closed. Uh, evangelists, those would be our missionaries that go out into the world to establish churches all around the world. And then the shepherds and teachers, that's one office, the office of elder. So that's one that we're really focusing in on here. So, so the body is composed of, in our case, shepherds and teachers, the elders. And we, elders, Glenn, Blair, and myself, under the headship of Christ, so we're part of the body, but under the headship of Christ, we exercise headship as part of the body on behalf of Christ and we equip the saints, which is you, the members of the church, for the work of the ministry. So that's really everything that we need to know as far as structure is concerned from this passage. Now, what does it look like in practice then? How are we going to organize ourselves with Christ as the head, and then we have shepherds and teachers, elders, who equip the rest of us, the rest of you, to do the work of the ministry? Well, we have a structure that's based on this biblical exhortation, and this is what it looks like. If you want to go to the next slide, 
No, back one. So you have Jesus Christ as the head, then you have the elders, and then we have structured the body, right? So the, the role of shepherds and teachers is to equip the saints. You need a structure in place so that you can actually equip people to do certain tasks. So structure is really important. It's nice to say, well, we'll just sort of get around to it. We'll hopefully all be doing good things, but, but in order to adequately equip this local church, the, the shepherds and teachers, the elders, have established a structure. We've drawn this structure from the first four chapters of the book of Acts. And we really believe that the, the first four book of Acts, at least the structure of the early church, can be summarized by two verses in those four chapters. So our structure is based on these verses which really summarize the idyllic picture of the church as written by Luke in Acts 1-4. to So you have, to begin with, the outreach of the church, and you have that in Acts 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So our first category of ministry, which you see up there in the orange, is missions. And so whereas the early church, they were Christ's ambassadors in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, our categories are the city of Barrie, and then the country of Canada, and then to the ends of the earth. So we want to take this commission that Jesus gave to the early church and apply it to ourselves and say, we want to represent Christ. We are an embassy for the kingdom of God here at South Shore in Barrie, and we want to work, we want to plant our flag in the ground and work from here out to the ends of the earth. We want to bear witness to him in Barrie, Canada, and the ends of the earth. So that's one category of ministry. Now the other four are summarized by Acts 2.42. Acts 2.42 says this, they devoted, they being the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So that's our second category of ministry, which you see in the green, our teaching ministries. And to the fellowship, what is fellowship? That's our second category, the yellow. Fellowship is common life, life that we're doing together. It has to do with bringing our material resources and our human energy together and contributing them for one cause, the extension of Christ's kingdom on earth. That's fellowship. And to the breaking of bread, that's our fourth category, which you see in the blue. That's just eating together. Let's not make it any more complicated. One-fifth of what we are going to do as a church is eat together. That's, I love that that's a spiritual thing that Jesus says, I want you to do that, eat together. And then our fifth is, and the prayers. And prayer is a, a word that can be understood more broadly as worship, just worshiping God. The early church devoted themselves to this. And so our fifth ministry category is worship, which you see there in the purple. So in order to equip this church under the headship of Christ, to do the work of this ministry, uh, we've come up with this structure and we, the elders, the teachers and overseers, or teachers and shepherds, have appointed stewards who will then help to equip and facilitate this ministry. And so we have a steward for all of our different ministries. And that's what we're going to take the rest of our time looking at this morning. Who are our stewards? 
Before we look at them individually, I just want to make a comment. Stewards, because they are not the elders of the church, do not have governing authority in the church. Stewards have a derived authority. They are, the elders delegate responsibilities to them, so they have a managerial authority. It's an administrative function to help to bring the members of the church together in a common cause under certain categories of ministry. And for that reason, we are extremely comfortable to appoint men or women to the role of steward. You'll remember in 1 Timothy 2, verse 12, it says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. And then in, in 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 7, talks about what that teaching and governing authority looks like, and that's given to the elders. And then there are deacons, which we call stewards, which are servants who are managers of the ministries that the elders establish. So let's take a look at, at these stewards in our church. So we're going to go through them, through those ministry categories. We start with our missions ministries, and we actually don't have any stewards for our missions ministries yet, but over all, every category of ministry, we have an elder. So I am the missions elder, so anything that is happening in missions right now, I'm the liaison between what's happening and the council of elders. Uh, we have two goals for our missions ministries. And these are those goals. To, tr uh, to raise the visibility of South Shore in Barrie and beyond. I said last week and a couple weeks ago, we're the best kept secret in this city. People just don't know that we exist. And so if we're going to be an outreaching church, it is helpful for people to know that we're here. And so one of our goals is to raise the visibility of South Shore and Barrie and beyond. Uh, we also want to take the gospel in a variety of ways. The gospel of Jesus Christ to our city, to our country, and to our world. So there's a variety of ways that we're going to do that. Uh, it'll be helpful as we develop this ministry to put a steward in place. We'll, we'll really be able to flesh this out. What would this look like? What might we do as we move forward? Now let's transition over. I have to go through these fairly quickly because I think we have 13 different stewards and so I don't have a lot of time to go through each. I'm just going to introduce what the ministry is, who is the steward, and the goals of that ministry. So we move over now. In the green, we have our teaching ministries. So we've got men's discipleship, women's discipleship, youth discipleship, and children's discipleship. In our ministry manual, the, the steward of men's and women's discipleship is the lead pastor. So whoever your lead pastor is, which happens to be me uh, right now, will be the steward of men's discipleship and women's discipleship. So I am the steward of men's discipleship, and here are the two goals. This is what we're trying to achieve through our men's teaching ministry. We want to train every man in this church, uh, even youth, so youth will be learning about this so that one day when they are in their own house, not under the headship of their fathers, they'll be ready to do this. Train men to be leaders in their home. Godly, Christ-like leaders. Second goal for our men's discipleship is to equip men to teach and to write, to use their gifts in the church. So we want to develop more teachers, 
more writers who can get uh, biblical truths out into this church and beyond. And our two goals, transitioning now to women's discipleship, are very similar. So the steward of women's discipleship is, is me, your lead pastor, and our goals are to train and to empower qualified older women, call them women of wisdom or Titus II women, to disciple younger women. In Titus 2, and if you, women, if you go to our greenhouse course on this that Janet is going to be leading, we're going to take a closer look at this. What does it mean for women to disciple women? Well, in Titus 2, the vision that God gives to the church is that the male elders are to disciple the uh, older women in the church to disciple the younger women in the church. There are things that a woman can teach and disciple that a man just can't. And so we want to have mature women on the front lines of discipling other women in this church. Second goal for our women's discipleship is to equip women teachers and writers to use their gifts in the church and beyond. We want women who are gifted to teach to have opportunities to teach the Bible. We want women who are gifted to write, to write, and for people to have an opportunity to read what they write. I think, uh, just as a little aside... Hope this is okay. I, it's, it's made public on Facebook. But Janet just got uh, a deal with B&H Publishing to publish books. Now, this is something wonderful to celebrate as a church, that one of our own women is now going to be writing books for children uh, that is going to go out, out all over the world. So well done, Janet. We, uh, we stand with you, and we celebrate that with you. And so that's one of the things we want to do. We want to help other women like Janet to have opportunities to write and to get their ideas in print uh, just for us, but also perhaps more broadly. Moving now to youth discipleship. We have uh, co-stewards for this discipleship. Rob and Twyla Stevenson are our two uh, stewards for this ministry this year. And we have two goals for our youth discipleship. Goal number one, to teach our youth to think biblically and to equip them to share and defend their faith. That's a, that is a big goal. Uh, we live in a world that is hostile to Christian thinking, biblical thinking, and, and our youth often bear the brunt of that hostility more than we do. They're in a world where it's, it's often much more difficult for them than for us. If for no other reason, they're still trying to make their faith their own. They're still trying to sort of say, okay, I know what my mom and dad think. I know what my pastor thinks. I know what my elders think. I know what uh, this family or that family in my church thinks, but I'm not sure what I think. And so this goal is really important to help them to think biblically and help them to ask the hard questions, to, to bring their doubts, their curiosity, their wonderings, and, and to say, well, there's good answers. We want the questions. We want the doubts aired. We want people to, uh, our youth to wrestle with the things that we've taught them in our children's ministry. Then we want to show them that there's good answers, intelligent answers, sound answers. Our second goal for our youth discipleship is to foster relationships among our youth and to connect them with unchurched friends. So we want to help develop a, a social circle for our youth in the church that they would know each other so as they grow up they would look back at their time at social and say wow i had some really good solid friendships and then to help them to go out and say you know let's be friends with unchurched people as well and bring them in and help them to feel welcome and share the gospel with them right from these early years
Moving on, uh, our children's discipleship. I want to thank uh, Duncan and Trish for all of the work that they put in helping to get our children's discipleship running this past year. There was so much work that you did, and you did excellent job giving us a firm foundation. And it was something as an elder and, and as the elders, we were, had absolute confidence in everything that you were doing. And it was just great to, to know that such an important ministry was being taken care of. So thank you. Uh, this year, I'm really happy to announce to you that Holly Christie will be our children's discipleship steward. And she will then be helping to facilitate children's discipleship with these two goals. We want to equip parents to diligently teach and disciple their children daily. It's wonderful that we can disciple children here at the church, but that's just a small sliver, really, of, of what a child ought to be getting uh, in discipleship. So we want to come alongside parents this will be something that we'll be working on for years and years and years, and we'll probably never perfect it. But we want to come alongside parents and say, this is how you can help your children to know who Jesus is, to learn the Bible. Second goal that we have is to provide age-appropriate biblical teaching for young children that will prepare them to understand the sermons in the adult service. This is very specific. But the whole goal is, and we saw that uh, Rachel Gannick will start being with us all the time, in, in the adult service, and it w you're in grade five, right? Grade five. So grade five. By grade five, we're hoping that our, our children will be able to sit in and, and learn from the sermons in the pulpit. That means we have some work to do in our children's discipleship to get them ready for that exciting time to participate in church with all the grown-ups. So those are our two goals for children's discipleship. Uh, those are our teaching ministries. Transitioning now to our fellowship ministries. Now, our fellowship ministries, remember what I said, fellowship is not social time. That's breaking bread. We'll get there. Fellowship is sharing our resources, whether they be material, financial, or human resources, so that we can invest in one another to extend God's kingdom here on earth. And so our, our fellowship ministries will reflect that. Our first one is administration. And Janet Surrett is our administration steward. The two goals that we have for administration are these, to liberate the leaders and teachers of the church from administrative responsibilities so that they can focus their efforts on equipping the church for ministry. This is really helpful. So rather than burning out our teachers and leaders, me and the elders, and we're going to see even ministry stewards uh, in our next goal, but to liberate people to do their ministry without being bogged down with all kinds of administrative responsibilities. Second goal for our administration ministry is to facilitate the common life of the church through the communication of opportunities and needs as directed by the ministry stewards. So ministry stewards, uh, administration can be a big problem there. So if you need assistance, you can go to Janet as well. And she's there to serve not only the elders, but also the stewards in any administrative capacity. Moving uh, to our next fellowship ministry is our care ministry. Some churches call this a benevolence ministry. 
This is where we make sure that uh, uh, no one falls through the cracks. Our steward for care ministries is Wayne Brown. And we have two goals for our care ministries, to address all real need among our members. So if you have a real need, whatever that need might be, often this falls into a financial need. Uh, If it's a spiritual need, this will be very quickly triaged to the elders. So these are practical needs, uh, not wants, but needs, uh, then you would contact Wayne, and Wayne has a team in place, so he may redirect you to a team member, and we don't want anyone to be in any real need in this church. We, we have to know about the need, and that's where it, it's incumbent on you if you have a real need to be in touch with our care team. But we want no one to be in any real need, no one falling through the cracks. And the second goal, so if the first goal talks about absolute need, the second goal gets more into wants a little bit. Uh, So the second goal is to equip the church to organically care for one another. There's things that that we could be in one another's lives, caring for one another, helping one another. So for example, if a tree falls over, well, we've got some arborists in the congregation, right? And so you can help us cut that tree up and put it in the furnace or whatever. Uh, But whatever the needs are, they may not be real needs, but something where, you know, I need to move a freezer or a fridge or I've got this extra bed or whatever. Then we want to facilitate the organic care of this church so that we're in one another's lives. And so we have what's called a life together uh, branch of our care ministry, which goes through our administrative steward where life together, how can we do life together and be in one another's lives in all of these areas? Continuing on in our fellowship ministries, we have the facility, which is, uh, at least according to our budget, a significant portion of our common life. Right? Life together. We're, we are bringing our material resources together so that we can meet in this place. Our steward of facility is Scott Bauman, and he gets a lot of help from Julia, his wife, and our two goals for, uh, for our facility is to ensure our facility is clean and tidy, which is in itself a big, big task. Our second goal for our facility ministry is to maintain the structural requirements of our facility. If there's something that needs fixing, that goes through our facility ministry team. Uh, thank you for all the hard work you do. It's a, it's a clean place. I don't know if you got my grace and peace, that falls under facility, the diaper doldrums. I won't go into that anymore. You can look it up. Look it up. Diaper doldrums, facility ministry, uh, keeping the building clean and tidy and scent free. All right. Moving on to our fourth uh, fellowship ministry is our finances. And this is all, another really big job. Our, our, finan- our financial steward is our treasurer, Scott Hansen did a great job as our treasurer for so long. I think he's teaching Roots right now, but let's just acknowledge him and all of the work he did. Uh, he'll hear the recording, so you better clap. <laughs> he, he just loves this church, and he did so much work for so many years to make sure that we were solvent financially and his updates and, and just working with everyone in the finances. Uh, so that's a big job. Now, Lyndon Hayhoe has taken over as, uh, as our treasurer, our financial steward, and there are two goals that we have for our finances ministry. Number one, to manage God's money 
to accomplish South Shore's ministry goals using biblical principles. This is a big task. What does the Bible say about how we ought to manage our money? How can we manage our money so that we're accomplishing our ministry goals? Second goal is to serve and bless those in need. And so this is sort of a a crossover with our care ministry, right? So if there's a real need that has a financial peace, we have a benevolence policy that kicks in. And so we want to really focus in on our members' families, our our, our membership families first in that area. But those are our two goals for finances. Now we go over to another ministry category, which is breaking bread, eating together. And we have one steward for this, and we call this our hospitality ministry. And our steward is Shelly Hansen. And uh, Shelly is overseeing two major goals. Number one, to ensure that we enjoy eating together when we gather at the church building. And, and every Sunday we eat together. Do you know that? That's wonderful. Uh, and, and we also have times where we're going to meet for potlucks. And our vision for potlucks this year is that every other month for, for special occasions, we have a Thanksgiving potluck, a Christmas potluck, and an Easter potluck. And so we're going to gather together on those special occasions to eat together, full meals. And then on the off months, we're going to really encourage that we meet and eat in our homes. And that's actually the title of that ministry, Meet and Eat. Meet in, in our, one another's homes and eat together. That's that social peace where families eat around the same table together. Our second goal for our hospitality ministry is to encourage and mobilize uh, us to eat together in our homes. I guess I covered that. Uh, so there's that actual meet and eat, but there's also just the regular reminders. Have you had anyone over lately? Have you opened your home to share a bowl of soup, to have a tea or a coffee, to have a full meal? Uh, we want to be in one another's homes. Finally, we come to our last, uh, our last ministry category, and these are in no particular order. I'm just going from left to right on the grid. Uh, and so these are our worship ministries, and we have three worship ministries. First up is our audiovisual, and, and our audiovisual team works really hard. And, and the unfortunate thing about audiovisual is that you should never notice that they exist. <laughs> except when we talk about them or they make a mistake. Uh, but they work really hard in order to make sure that you can hear what's going on at the front. They support uh, our ministries, our web ministries, and so on. So our audiovisual steward is Peter Brown, and our audiovisual ministry has two goals. One, to enable the church to participate in corship, corporate worship without distraction. So that's what I mentioned about you should never know that they're there. Uh, now that happens, and that's fine, but uh, to enable church, us to worship God together without distraction. And second goal is to enable those serving in various ministries to use their gifts most effectively through the use of technology. So if you have a ministry that you want to add a techno- technological component to it, Peter's your guy, he will send you a team member to help you to tech up your ministry. That's all part of audiovisual. So anything that's technological that the church owns falls under our audio, audiovisual ministries. Second in our worship ministries is Sunday administration. Jenny Hawkins is our steward of Sunday administration. And this is a really important ministry because there's a lot of things that happen on a Sunday morning that the elders ought not to be bothered with. The elders need to be focusing in on other things. 
We don't want our, our, our music teams having to worry about all of them either or our audiovisual teams. So, so this is kind of a catch-all for whatever is happening on a Sunday morning that doesn't fall into teaching or audiovisual or music. That's what the Sunday administration ministry team is all about. So our two goals for our Sunday administration are these. One, to welcome and greet the saints. So the membership or visiting saints. To welcome and greet visiting guests and newcomers. So we want people that come to our church to feel welcome. We want them to know that we care about them, especially maybe even if we don't know who they are. We don't know what they've been through. We don't know what their week has been like. We don't know what their year has been like. We, we don't know what their life has been like. We want to be Christ's ambassadors. When they see us, we want them to say, wow, there's something that is drawing me, not to us, but to Christ through us. Really important. Second goal of our Sunday administration team is to support the elders and the music steward in their oversight of the worship service. So, for example, I've never had to worry about is there, are there elements for communion that's covered? Uh, and there's all kinds of things I don't even know to worry about them because they're covered. And so it's a big ministry. If you want to help, to help us or help um, this ministry team, team talk to Jenny. Uh, our last ministry is our music ministry. And our steward is Blair Hansen. And we have two goals under music ministry. One, to facilitate the glorifying of God and the singing of his people. So we want to sing praises to God together. Our second goal is to facilitate the edification of God's people in their singing to the glory of God. So when we gather together to sing uh, this whole worship service, this worship service is intended to glorify God and to build up his church. And those are the two goals of our music ministry. Now imagine, imagine we accomplish all of those goals week after week, month after month, year after year. I am thrilled to say I think we are accomplishing all of those goals. I think there's 26 goals. And let us continue then to seek ways to fulfill those goals in deeper ways to the glory of God and to the building up of his church. In a moment, I'm going to call all of our ministry stewards who are here forward and we're going to pray for them. Before I do that, I one last word about uh, equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. This structure of Christ being the head through the headship of shepherds and teachers, so we're part of the body, but we exercise headship on behalf of Christ to equip you to do the work of the ministry through the facilitation of these stewards. I am so pleased to say that we have, I think I can say, 100% participation of our membership in ministry at this church. That's almost unheard of. Usually, you know, the, the, the old adage is that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. I think we have 100% of the people doing 100% of the work. Now, maybe there are certain members who could say, well, I want to do a little bit more. That would be great. This year, choose perhaps to do a little bit more. Find a ministry that you want to invest yourself in and talk to the steward and, and become a part of that ministry. One of the great things about being a small church is that you can't hide. 
Yeah, there is no uh, anonymity here at South Shore. We, we know when you're here. We know when you're not here. We know when, hopefully, you're rejoicing, and we know when you're weeping. That's a great thing in a church, and we, we never want to be a big church. If we get big, if God blesses us with a lot of people, we'll plant a church because we always want 100% of the people to be doing 100% of the work. We want no one falling through the cracks. We don't want any anonymous members And so my final charge to us is to keep doing what we're doing. And as God adds to our numbers, may the people coming in see a culture of this church, that we are a working church. The adjective and the verb. This church is working, adjective. But this church is also working, verb. All of our members are being equipped to do the work of the ministry. And for that, you are to be strongly commended. Let me just pray before I invite our stewards forward closing this time together. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for our uh, various ministries. I know there's been a lot of information today, but I pray that as we've gone through our different ministries that you've refreshed us on, on what our structure is and you've given each of us an opportunity to see either where we are serving or where we would like to serve. I pray that you would continue to add to our number and that as people come in, we will continue to be a working church for your glory and the extension of your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.